okay like such as meconazolinafate is used for the treatment of so it is used for the treatment of tinea cruris so topical antifungal such as meconazole and tolnafate is used for the treatment of uh, tinea cruris next selenium sulfide is used for the treatment of tinea versicolor and also dash of the scalp so answer is also seborrheic dermatitis of scalp okay so this selenium sulfide is used for the treatment of two disease first is the tinea versicolor and second one is the seborrheic dermatitis next yeah so next was an image and that was of melanoma okay now next thing is to rule out melanoma full thickness dash with one to three millimeter margins of the normal tissue is recommended so what is that full thickness exnational biopsy okay so in melanoma we don't do this uh, biopsy punch biopsy instead we do this exnational biopsy okay and that too with a wide margin of one to three millimeter uh yeah uh, full thickness okay next partial excision in case of the melanoma done with the deep shave uh, biopsy or central or peripheral punch biopsy only when the uh, there is large lesion okay or the lesion is located in a close proximity to an important organ or a problematic organ such as ear or face okay so if the lesion of uh, this melanoma is located somewhere near the ear or the face or the eye then what we'll do we'll do the partial excision biopsy okay which is this uh, deep shave uh, uh, biopsy or we can also show the central or peripheral punch biopsy otherwise we'll do the excisional biopsy only okay with one to three millimeter of the margin next cryotherapy and topical fluorouracil is indicated for the treatment of so actinic keratosis uh, okay so cryotherapy and uh, Topical uh, fluorouracil is used for the treatment of actinic keratosis. Next, next is lamotrigine, lithium, valproate, and uh, the combination of olanzapine and fluoxetine are used for the treatment of. So answer is they can also be used for the treatment of bipolar disorder, but these are not the first preferences. So if someone asks you what are the other choice of uh, drugs which you can use for the bipolar disorders, so answer is lamotrigine, lithium, valproate, okay, and also the combination of olanzapine and fluoxetine, okay next the dash and dash medications are the first line treatment for the acute bipolar depression so answer for that is for acute bipolar depression the first line drugs are the second generation antipsychotics such as cutiapine and also luracidone okay so luracidone and cutiapine are the second generation antipsychotics which are used as the first line drugs for the acute management of the bipolar depression now common causes of hypogonadism in men so it can be congenital disorders such as Klein-Fenter syndrome or the cryptorchidism also some drugs such as alkylating agent ketoconazole orchitis such as mumps trauma torsion and also chronic kidney disease so these are the causes of hypogonadism in men congenital Klein-Fenter syndrome cryptorchidism drugs such as alkylating agent ketoconazole orchitis mumps trauma torsion and uh, chronic kidney diseases okay next how will you differentiate between the pituitary adenoma and the medication induced hyperprolactinoma see in uh, both the pro, uh, both these condition because of the medications also and uh, this pituitary adenoma there will be high prolactin level okay but you have to see the other hormone status also okay for example you will see the tsh level and other hormone also because in drug induced thing this tsh is not affected but in case of uh, prolactinoma and also tsh will be low because this uh, prolactinoma is uh, compressing the other cells in located in the pituitary gland okay now intrauterine fetal demise should be suspected when dash fails to detect a heart fetal heart rate in the patients with decrease or absent fetal movement okay so uh, fetal uh, demise is uh, said when 
the doppler ultrasonography okay this doppler ultrasonography fails to detect the fetal heart rate in the patients with decrease or absent fetal movements okay suspected when is it suspected okay but for the confirmation of the diagnosis ultrasonography is very very important doppler is okay but ultrason abdominal ultrasonography is very important for the confirmations of the fetal demise next intrauterine fetal demise after the doppler uh, sonography is suspected and confirmed by the presence of fetal cardiac activity on the ultrasonography so what are the findings which you see on the ultrasonography which will confirm that fetal demise is occurred like so we'll say that there will be no fetal cardiac activity okay now next cell-free dna testing is indication what are the indications for the cell-free dna testing so basically cell-free dna testing is done if uh, maternal age is more than equal to 35 okay so if the age of the mother is more than equal to 35 years then we'll do the cell-free dna testing also if there is abnormal maternal serum screening test okay if we did this maternal scre serum screening test but that was abnormal then also we'll get go for cell-free dna testing sonographic finding associated with fetal aneuploidy then also we can go for cell-free dna testing and previous pregnancy uh, sorry previous uh, pregnancy with uh, fetal aneuploidy that also is a uh, indication for cell-free dna and uh, parental balanced robertsonian translocation so parental uh, this uh, balanced robertsonian translocation previous pregnancy with aneuploidies sonography where you see this fetal aneuploidy or the abnormal maternal serum testing and the maternal age more than equal to 35 are the indications of the cell-free dna testing okay now next and what is this basically the cell-free dna testing used for so it is used for the diagnosis of the screening not diagnostic okay screening of trisomy 21 18 and 13 and also sex chromosome aneuploidies so it will diagnose the sex chromosome aneuploidies and also trisomy 21 18 and 13 also fetal sex determination can be done with the help of the cell-free dna fetal sex determination now women of age dash uh, advanced maternal age and are at increased risk of dash are offered the cell-free dna testing so answer is women of age more than equal to 35 and uh, those with aneuploidy are at increased risk of cell-free dna testing now non-invasive cell-free dna testing can be performed at more than equal to dash weeks of gestation so answer is more than equal to 10 weeks of gestation okay now abnormal uh, results on the cell-free dna testing are confirmed with the help of dash via first trimester cro chorionic villi sampling and second trimester amniocentesis so answer for that is so see uh, fetal karyotyping okay so abnormal result of a cell-free dna are confirmed by fetal karyotyping via first trimester chorionic villi sample okay so in the first trimester what we'll do we'll take the chorionic villi sample and also in the second trimester we will do the amniocentesis and from that we will take out the dna and of that dna we will do the karyotyping and after that karyotyping we will confirm the diagnosis okay so this self-free dna is basically used for the screening of all other all sort of aneuploidies but for the confirmation you need to do uh, chorionic villi sampling or amniocentesis depend on the gestation of uh, the child okay like if it is first trimester then we'll do this uh coronic sampling and if it is second trimester we'll go for the amniocentesis okay next beta hcg have uh, no clinical value once intrauterine pregnancy is confirmed by ultrasonography so if you see that there is intrauterine pregnancy on ultrasonography then after that you won't do this beta hcg testing okay that's of no use once you have already confirmed next is phenylketonuria are asymptomatic initially and diagnosis typically made by positive newborn screening test okay so they are initially asymptomatic but diagnosis can be made on the screening test newborn screening test okay now tandem mass spectrometry of the dried blood spots can detect the presence of the metabolic product of the phenylalanine okay and it is helpful for the uh, like uh, for the diagnosis of phenylketonuria to so tandem mass spectrometry is used for phenylketonuria so just remember tandem mass spectrometry of the dried blood spots can detect the presence of the metabolic product of the phenylalanine okay now 
this is a newborn screening method for phenylketonuria which tandem mass spectrometry now phenylketonuria is suspected later in the life test uh, to be done is so if uh, we know that uh, phenylketonuria we want to screen at newborn age no so then we will use that tandem mass spectrometry but if we want to screen it uh, later in the life then we will go for quantitative amino acid analysis okay that will show the elevated phenylalanine level so in later life we can directly go for the amino acid analysis quantitative one and uh, in the early life neonatal life we will go for the tandem mass spectrometry okay aldolase b deficiency is seen in hereditary fructose intolerance okay so aldolase b hereditary fructose intolerance now treatment of phenylketonuria consists of so we'll use a low phenylalanine diet such as cereals starches fruits vegetable and phenylalanine free milk formulas are given okay and high protein the food should be avoided so the thing which we avoid in phenylketonuria is uh, uh, high protein food okay and the thing which uh, we give in phenylketonuria is cereals starches fruits vegetables and phenylalanine free milk formulas okay next complete absence of the galactose one phosphate uridyl transferase activity in the red blood cells is consistent with which disease so answer is galactosemia so there is this complete absent okay now galactosemia usually presents within the first few days of the birth okay after the birth with jaundice hepatomegaly failure to thrive after consumption of the breast milk and regular infant formula so if the mother is giving uh, her own breast milk or the infant uh, regular infant formula and after that uh, just after giving that within few days the, the patient develops the the infant develops this jaundice and uh, hepatomegaly also the failure to thrive then you can think about the galactosemia okay and next neuroleptic malignant syndrome are causes by it is caused by basically the antipsychotic drugs such as haloperidol it can also be caused by antiemetics such as promethazine or the withdrawal of the parkinson medication so if someone was previously given parkinson medication and suddenly he stopped taking them then it can undergo that patient can undergo the neuroleptic malignant syndrome or he started the new drugs such as haloperidol or anti new antiemetic drugs such as promethazine okay so yeah next rectovaginal fistula diagnosis so we can diagnose the rectovaginal fistula by physical examination or we can also do the fistulography then if it is fistula is like really small then we can go for mri or we can also do the endosonography okay so the four things which we can do for the diagnosis of the rectovaginal fistula is physical examination fistulogram fistulography mri and uh, endosonography yeah next next is even low alcohol intake less than equal to one drinks per day in the women confers an increased risk of dash thing dash cancer so answer is it is breast cancer so even low alcohol intake like even if a woman is taking less than equal to one uh, drink of alcohol per day no then also she is prone to this breast cancer so she should not drink alcohol women with moderate alcohol consumptions can be defined as less than equal to two drinks per day or less than equal to seven drinks per week so, okay so women with moderate alcohol consumption do less than equal to two drinks per day and less than equal to seven drinks per week next crucial elements of the intrauterine fetal demise evaluation includes the fetal autopsy so if someone has like a baby has died in utero only okay so what uh, are the things which we will do later on so we will uh, do the fetal autopsy we will also do the fetal karyotype we will also do the placental examination and maternal laboratory testing okay for fetal maternal hemorrhages and also antiphospholipid antibody syndrome can be tested okay so because there can be antiphospholipid antibody syndrome and uh, fetal maternal hemorrhages okay fetal karyotyping is done placental examination maternal laboratory testing okay and also fetal autopsy so after all doing all this thing then also uh, we can't uh, suggest the patient uh, like the parent that uh, whether this uh, situation will occur in the next pregnancy or not okay next 
Dash is typically used in a younger patient age less than equal to 65 with tremor dominant Parkinson's disease. Okay, so if it is tremor dominant Parkinson's disease, no, so we'll use anticholinergic medications such as the trihexyphenidyl. So trihexyphenidyl is used in a younger patient less than equal to 65 years of age for tremor dominant Parkinson's disease. So which drug is used for the tremor dominant Parkinson's disease in a younger patient less than equal to 65 years? So answer is trihexyphenidyl. Okay, yeah. Next is Parkinson's disease has a tremor frequency of how many hertz? So it is from uh, 5 to 7 hertz. Okay. And it is often the first manifestation. So tremor can be the first manifestations of the Parkinson's disease. Okay. Tremor dominant Parkinson's disease in older individuals with mild tremors dominant disease. Dash is uh, used to avoid the anticholinergic side effect caused by the trihexyphenidyl. So see, in case of uh, tremor dominant Parkinson's disease, if it is a young person that is less than equal to 65 age, then we will give the anticholinergic drugs such as the trihexyphenidyl hexyphenidyl okay but if it is an older patient who cannot tolerate uh, this anticholinergic drugs so in that case we will use the amantidine okay so amantidine is a drug of choice in older patient with tremor dominant uh, parkinson disease now drug used for the treatment of parkinson disease so for the mild symptoms we can use monoamine oxidase type b inhibitors okay and uh, for the moderate to severe symptoms we can use the levodopa so for the mild monoamine oxidase b inhibitors and for moderate we can use levodopa next According to the human factors engineering, the most effective error preventing strategies include dash and dash. So what are the most effective uh, uh, error preventing strategies? So answer includes uh, computerized automation and also forcing functions. So forcing function and computerized automations are the two techniques or the two strategies uh, according to the human factor engineering which are effective to prevent the error. Okay. In preventing the error. Yeah. Next is okay next is example uh in just a second yeah okay so example of the one of the error preventing strategies includes if heparin infusion pump with dosing algorithm should be there this is known as the automating mechanical conversions okay and also uh, if limits are present on that so that is the blocking access drug administrations okay so these are the examples of computerized automations and also the forcing functions so uh, the two strategies computerized automation and forcing functions so there is this an example of that that heparin infusion pump with the dosing algorithms and also there is limit present on them next treatment of the mammillary gland enlargement leukorrhea and also mild uterine bleeding are common benign in newborn okay so see no treatment is needed because this uh, mammillary gland uh, enlargement leukorrhea and mild uterine bleeding are common in case of newborn okay because of the maternal estrogen exposure therefore we don't need to do anything about that next is backward vitamin syndrome what is the pathogenesis of backward vitamin syndrome so there is deregulation of 15 p 50 11 p 15 okay so in case of a uh, backward vitamin syndrome there is deregulation of imprinted gene expression on chromosome 11 p 15 so you have to remember the chromosome it is 11 chromosome okay now backward vitamin syndrome salvin is done with so it is done with abdominal ultrasonography and also the alpha fetoprotein okay level should be tested and uh, it should tested every three months from birth to age four so from birth to age four every three months you have to test abdominal ultrasonography you have to do ultra abdominal ultrasonography and you have to test for alpha fetoprotein level okay in case of backward vitamin syndrome screening okay and also you will do renal ultrasonography 
uh, every three months from four years to eight years okay so if the child is of four uh, if the child is of three years then what are you supposed to do you'll do abdominal ultrasonography and alpha fetoprotein level but if the child is of seven years what are you supposed to do you'll do the renal ultrasonography why because from four year to eight year you do the renal ultrasonography and from uh, three months to four years you'll do the abdominal ultrasonography and the alpha fetoprotein this is done for the surveillance of the complications of the backward vitamin syndrome okay now what are the complications of backward vitamin syndrome so wilms tumors and the hepatoblastoma so these are the two complications now newborn must be monitored closely for hypoglycemia because fetal hyperinsulinemia can result in profoundly low blood glucose at birth in case of backward vitamin syndrome okay so in backward vitamin syndrome you should carefully monitor a newborn for the hypoglycemia why because fetal hyperinsulinemia can result in profoundly low blood glucose level at birth okay so in backward vitamin syndrome there is this hyperinsulinemia in case of a baby okay and as soon as the baby is born the there is low blood glucose okay so the baby can undergo the hypoglycemia because of the backward vitamin syndrome so you have to carefully monitor and look for the hypoglycemia in a newborn okay now quenal atresia diagnosis and treatment so for the diagnosis you do uh, this uh, you pass a catheter from the nasopharynx and inability to pass is uh, the diagnostic investigation okay next thing you have to confirm this with the help of a ct scan or the nasal endoscopy so you can either do nasal endoscopy and ct scan for the confirmation of the quenal atresia or you can pass a nasal catheter and that will not pass further okay now for the treatment of this quenal atresia you will do the oral airway first you will make a oral airway thing and secondly what you will do is surgical repair so you will repair surgically and uh, make uh, before in meanwhile duration you will do this oral airway thing yeah Failure of the catheter to pass through the nares into the oropharynx is suggestive of the quenal atresia. Laryngomalacia, what do you see in laryngomalacia? Inspiratory stitis. Small bowel obstruction, what is the treatment for small bowel obstruction? So if there is small bowel obstruction, firstly, which uh, you should do the bowel rest, okay? And uh, secondly, you will do the you will do nasogastric tube suctioning and intravenous fluid is to be given because the patient is not able to take the fluid anterally, no, so we'll give the intravenous fluid and also uh, bowel rest is given and nasogastric tube suctioning is done. Secondly, you will do the surgical exploration for the signs of the complications because there can be bowel ischemia and perforation. So, you will do surgical exploration quickly in case of the small bowel obstruction. Now, barium enema and digital fingal impact, uh, digital fecal in this impaction are used for the treatment of so these are the use for the treatment of constipation so barium enemas and also digital fecal disimpaction is used for the treatment of constipation now neuroleptic malignant syndrome what are the clinical features of neuroleptic malignant syndrome which i already told you as caused by the three drugs such as the antipsychotics such as haloperidol second one was antiemetics that is the promethazine and also withdrawal of the parkinson drugs so what are the clinical features first is the fever second is the ultimate status third is the generalized muscular rigidity which is very 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 specific lead pipe rigidity third one is the autonomic instability you will see the vital changes such as diaphoresis okay and also elevated creatine kinase will be there plus minus renal failure so there can be renal failure creatine kinase elevations plus muscle rigidity is very specific for neuroleptic malignant syndrome and uh, yeah like myoclonus is very specific for serotonin syndrome also muscle rigidity is very specific for neuroleptic malignant syndrome that is lead pipe rigidity autonomic instability ultimate status and fever all right next
neuroleptic malignant syndrome treatment so firstly you need to stop that antipsychotic drugs okay or if uh, the patient was using this uh, uh, withdrawal of the anti parkinson drugs no so you will restart the dopamine agent okay you will restart the dopamine agent you can also use the supportive care such as hydration and cooling why because we said that there is autonomic instability so you will give the supporting care hydration and cooling and also intensive care unit we have to shift the patient to the icu and uh, then we will give the benzodiazepine for stabilization and also bromocriptine and dentrolene if refractory so if this uh, neuroleptic malignant syndrome is refractory then we'll use the bromocriptine and dentrolene okay these two drugs are very very specific bromocriptine and dentrolene neuroleptic malignant syndrome dentrolene is also used for malignant hypothermia so don't get confused you can use dentrolene here also and benzodiazepine is also used and bromocriptine so these are the three drugs next first two weeks of the treatment neuroleptic malignant syndrome see so basically as soon as we are giving the haloperidol or anti-promethazinic uh, promethazine drugs no so that will cause the neuroleptic malignant syndrome within uh, first two weeks of the treatment only okay so not that uh, not uh, after that okay yeah next is bromocriptine and amantidine dopaminergic medications are used for the treatment of so answer is neuroleptic malignant syndrome so i told you about the bromocriptine because it is a dopamine agonist because we need to give a dopamine agonist in case of neuroleptic malignant syndrome so we can give either bromocriptine we can also use the amantidine okay yeah and uh, yeah next one is dentrolene is a direct uh, acting muscle relaxant so that is also used for the neuroleptic malignant syndrome to reduce the heat production and muscle rigidity so if someone asks you why are you using dentrolene in case of neuroleptic malignant syndrome so you have to say because we want uh, to lower down the heat production and also uh, muscle rigidity we want we don't want any spasm so we'll give the dentrolene okay and uh, we use this bromocriptine and uh, uh, amantidine as a dopamine agonist which will reverse the symptoms okay now anticholinergic medications such as uh, benztropine can be used as an anti uh, psychotic induced extrapyramidal symptoms for such as dash so if you want to treat the acute dystonia no which is this uh, uh, anti psychotic uh, induced extrapyramidal symptoms so you can use benztropine for that okay for the treatment of acute dystonia so benztropine is used for the treatment of acute dystonia yeah so yeah that's it for this audio thank you